Planet Earth, Michael Litton, the last DJ, host of Ride the Vibe, broadcasting from the beautiful living room-like studio here in Roswell, GA, the proprietor, Waheed Gomes, also the executive producer of this show. And this is a first for us, y'all. We have a video component. How cool is that? I mean, that's unbelievable. And I have to give a shout out to my good friend, Peter Perkins from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Went to high school together and we also went to a college in University of Colorado in Boulder for that intro song. And for those of you uh, musical trivia buffs, uh, that's Brian Berline playing the fiddle on that song. Better Late Than Never off Pete's uh, debut release. And the song is uh, very fitting for Ride the Vibe. So totally stoked to have as my guest, Todd Kessler. Todd, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. Such a pleasure. And in the spirit of full disclosure, because I am the last DJ and I can say what I want to say and play what I want to play, uh, we are practicing the ultimate in social distancing. <laughs> because Todd is broadcasting from the comfort of uh, his own environment up in Chicago, Illinois, where he's from. I'm here in the DRS uh, Atlanta studios, as I mentioned, and I'm in my own room, y'all. And uh, those producer types, they're in their own room. So uh, we're, we're doing the right thing here and still, uh, you know, carrying on, which is uh, what we need to do. And Todd, for your fans that are legion, the way we roll ride the vibe is I like to we do a CD listening party format. So we encourage the listeners to sit back in a comfortable environment of their choosing. You know, even if it's on a raft as the weather gets warmer or out on a boat on Lake Michigan, whatever it might be, and get a beverage of their choice. And then we're going to play uh, six of your songs, not in their entirety. Well, maybe one or two we will, um, because we want, we want the listeners to go out and buy your music, right? Because it's hard to make a living. <laughs> I told Todd, you all, that I'd listen to some of his stuff uh, with my Napster account. And, uh, you know, I pay for that, Napster, and it was Rhapsody. I've been a subscriber for 10 years. And he goes, oh, thank you for that, Michael. I think uh, I made .003 cents. <laughs> so go out and buy some of his music. <laughs> um, and in the studio, we are featuring the beverage of our choice today is a drink mate sparkling water now how cool is that in this drink make product got to get it over here on the frame i'm i'm not i got my, my mojo going here on the video component but uh this drink mate product uh my friends they're a company out of michigan uh doug is the owner it's a uh startup and it's this tabletop unit right here that we featured in the studio they were kind enough to provide this for us got a co2 canister in the back and it will sparkle any beverage that you've got just by pushing the button and sparkling it up. So cheers to my friend's drink mate, Doug and Kevin. And if I, <laughs> thank you, Todd. I, I don't know what beverage Todd's got up there in Chicago, but uh, it's all good. And uh, cheers to uh, Ride the Vibe, my uh, sister, for hooking us up with these uh, cups. And also one last uh, little commercial plug. You, we are in the business here in Roswell of making Roswell weird, thanks to my friend at uh, Mojo Vinyl. Todd, is your uh, album about memory on vinyl? Do you have it on vinyl? I do. This was the first release I put on vinyl. Yeah. Um, and I made it part of a Kickstarter campaign because okay. vinyl is very expensive to make, and so... Yeah. Uh, I always wanted to do it, and I was doing a Kickstarter, and I thought, let's see if I can get some people that are going to buy the vinyl, and yeah. quite a few for the Kickstarter, and yeah. yeah, love it. Oh, good. Well, if you're amenable, I will do a warm introduction to Rand Cabass, who's the owner of Mojo Vinyl here in Roswell, GA, and uh, see if you can get some in his shop down there. I love it. Thank you. Ah, well, well, we'll try to facilitate that. So, Todd, it's just uh, so excited to have you on the show, and as I said, we're going to play some of your music, and we're going to work back in your uh, discology. We're going to do uh, your latest release and then work back and play some songs uh, off of About Memory, which was your debut release as a solo artist. And then we'll talk about your work. It was my uh, reintroduction as a solo artist. Ah, okay. 
Okay. Well, I know you had uh, done work with uh, the new folk, Correct. and you have an album or had an you have an album out with them. But uh, and we'll talk about that as well. But uh, let's cue up since I've been doing all this talking and it's all about the music. Uh, let's cue up "Good as Gold," which was your latest single released in 2019, I believe. Yep. Uh, August, early August, 2019. Yeah. 19. So recent. Well, I love it. Let's hear a little good as gold. Fitting way to start the show. Love it, love it. Uh, your latest uh, release, single release, and uh, talk about that song uh, and what is it going to be on a future album, Todd? Are you doing albums? I mean, the music industry has changed so much. Give, give me your thoughts. Or, you know, talk about the song, and then also give me your thoughts on the state of the music industry and, and what you think uh, it, it bodes for you. Yeah. So the song itself was. I started it back in 2015, and. Um, that is when I made the decision that I wanted to start writing music, um, not just for myself as an artist, but I wanted to start writing music um, for commercial sync licensing, maybe uh, possibly other artists, publishing, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that was one of the songs that I had um, that I had started writing back then in that kind of um, phase of my career, you could say. You know, yep. I started more into that kind of thing, um, and I got kind of stuck. I got maybe halfway through the song, maybe a verse and a chorus, yeah. and um, just couldn't really, just didn't, couldn't finish it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then I, uh, a little while later after that, I started working on my album about memory. So that song, I kind of forgot about it. And then um, about memory happened, the album cycle, the touring, um, and then I uh, kind of regrouped and started, started revisiting some old material that I had left off and came upon that one. Mm -hmm. And, um, for what, Oh, this is what it was. Now I remember. Um, what got me unstuck was that uh, a friend of mine was going through a really bad breakup. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it kind of like, it was happening at the time that I was kind of scrolling through old music, kind of trying to revisit some old ideas and you know, the way the universe works, it, it sparked the, whatever I needed to finish that tune. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's really just about, you know, it's pretty easy, I think, to tell what the song's about. But yeah. it's a relationship. You go through hard times, and uh, if it's strong, it's going to last. And um, I've been lucky enough that my relationship with my wife has lasted for quite a long time. So I can't write a breakup song from, uh, from, <laughs> from your personal person. experience. So that's why I had to wait until my friend was going through a bad breakup. <laughs> <laughs> did, it, uh, did it resolve itself or no? 
No, no, uh, it, 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 sadly. But um, yeah. all all parties are for the better now. So yeah, that's, gotcha. Um, in terms of this, the single or album aspect yeah, of it, yeah, um, I kind of I kind of go through cycles myself. You know, there's the music industry industry aspect of it where mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago it was like the album's dead, and now we're just doing right. single. Right. Now what artists are doing, they're putting out albums with really short songs, but just tons of them because <laughs> of the way the algorithms work. So like you know, Drake puts out an album, there's like 20 songs on there, they're under three minutes each or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so now we're like, to me, it's the wild, wild west. Put out a single, put out an EP, put out an album. It doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. Um, but what I end up doing is every time I do an album, I tend to do a couple singles after it because I'm like, I can't go through that again. It's too much work. It's so draining. It takes forever. Yeah. I just want to do a song and be done with it. And so that was um, that was kind of you know what my thought processes was. Of course, now I'm writing another album. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all that said, so it, what I'm picking up is it's not affecting your creative process or how you're going to to market. No, no. I mean, when I do an album, like about memory was conceptual in that all the songs were were linked thematically mm-hmm. uh, good as gold wasn't linked to anything yeah it was standalone and this next album that i'm writing everything's going to be linked thematically yeah. again yeah it's just gives you know I, what i like about doing singles or even eps is um it's just like a more of a snapshot at this very moment mm-hmm. uh, here's song. i'm really passionate about this song it doesn't have to be like what came before it doesn't have right. to be what's just this thing so you're embracing the genius of the ant yeah. opposed to the tyranny of the or doing all of it all of the above <laughs> and vinyl <laughs> i love it and and we need to uh you have uh you had a birthday a couple days ago so belated happy birthday to you you appreciate that <laughs> so, you know we try to do our research here <laughs> even a blind squirrel todd that's <laughs> So talk about, you know, you, you uh, touched on it. Talk about your creative process and where your inspiration, are you like you know, morning pages, uh, Julian Cameron kind of thing where you're writing in the morning or do you have a special time or do they just come to you? Talk a little bit about that before we uh, take a little break. Yeah, you know, that, uh, that has evolved over the years. Mm. When I was, uh, you know, in my 20s or even in my teens or in college, you know, writing happened when, I was when, you know, inspiration came, maybe I was reading a book and a passage inspired me, or maybe um, I saw a film and something inspired me in the film um, and I would just go write it down. But now I have, I have kids and that. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. Yeah. (laughs) Morning pages. Um, I'm not a morning person. Ah. So it worked for me. Um, However, I will say it has, it, when I have done it, it has led, it has opened up those channels. So it, mm-hmm. I, I it will work for me in, in the future when I don't have to wake up kids and all yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, process, and you have a puppy. <laughs> um, so my process is really, um, I'm not like I have to write at night. I have to write at the day. Um, at this point I can, I know I've got an hour between, uh, picking my kids up from school and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. So, this hour i'm gonna go down to my studio whether it's working on parts for an arrangement or i know i want to write a song about something i've got this chord progression just gonna start playing it out and um but like it's very more regimented now like i've got this chunk of time to do x let's see what i get done does that uh, help you or are you finding yourself more productive less productive or you can't tell can't tell the difference (laughs) I don't know if I'm more or less productive because not every time you write down when you have the opportunity, something great's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to write some bad songs. <laughs> happen. So, um, what I will say is though, that giving myself parameters, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, you know, specific directions to myself, like I have an hour and I want to write a hook or mm-hmm. I'm writing a song and I only want to use these certain chords or I'm writing a lyric and I want it to follow a certain rhyme scheme or something. Giving giving myself these parameters, kind of like giving yourself lines to color in, mm-hmm. I find helps my creativity. Whereas if I'm just looking at a blank piece of paper, it can be more overwhelming. Too intimidating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. 
Well, I want to talk about uh, when we, we're going to take a short break to support our sponsor, which in this case is DRS ATL, where we're broadcasting from. Can't thank Waheed Gomes enough. And then got to give a shout out to Otis Tillman, who's working the video here for a, the first time. So, Otis, thank you so much. But when we, when we come back, Todd, I want to talk about uh, when you first, uh, you know, recognized that you had this talent and, you know, you're writing uh, when you first started writing and picked up a, a guitar. So stay with us, y'all. We're on Ride the Vibe. We're going to be right back. Just a short break. And then we're going to pick right back up where we left off with Todd Kessler. DRS provides professional audio mixing and mastering services. They also provide other creative services, such as voiceover editing, audio restoration, and audio forensics. They have great customer service. Their work is fast and efficient, and their prices are affordable. You can learn more about their creative services by visiting them on the web at drsatl.com. Again, that's drsatl.com. Or call them at 404-590-0779. Again, that's 404-590-0779. DRS, when the right sound matters. You are back on Ride the Vibe. Michael Litton, the last DJ, playing what he wants to play and saying what he wants to say and having a fascinating conversation with Todd Kessler. Todd, are you a native Chicagoan? I am. Ah, what a hotbed for uh, music. So oh, <laughs> what, you know, what, what inspired you? What, when did you recognize? What, at what age? So um, I always loved music. Yeah. Um, favorite band when I was six was Guns N' Roses. Oh, so interesting. Spoke to me. Yeah. Uh, at six. At six. Oh my God, I loved them. Yeah. Uh, you know, Appetite for Destruction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Loved it. But uh, <laughs> as the time went on, and, you know, um, grunge was happening right when I was in junior high school. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, just like millions of kids my age, it was, it spoke to me. And yeah. so um, when I was 12, I, I started taking guitar lessons. Mm. And shortly after that started, writing songs and I was had always been a singer. Mm. Um, I don't think it's hard for me to to remember when I knew I had um, you know a talent for it. Yeah. Um, I will say I knew I had a talent for singing in high school mm. starting my junior year. Um, and I wrote songs and I had a band and um, you know I thought we were going to be huge and famous. <laughs> of course songs and yeah. um you know but but we weren't like you know we weren't the cool band in school yeah. so yeah hard to say like i thought we were great but I, we weren't like the kids weren't knocking down our door if you if you know who was I mean. the cool band what kind of music was the cool band playing um there was uh i mean we were all playing rock i mean yeah. it was it was rock so yeah uh, yeah but it, we weren't playing different types of music i just think maybe i wasn't one of the cool kids ah. at that point Gotcha. Then you know I went to college and I started playing open mic nights, ah. and they probably, um, you know, somewhere within that time, probably again sophomore, junior, senior year, I yeah. noticed like, hey, I think my songs are better than the other people's songs. Mm-hmm. I think my songs are better than the other people's songs, um, and you should think you're better than yeah. other. <laughs> <laughs> Good healthy and, ego, yeah. Uh, Though, you know, I also knew that, like, I had a long way to go, mm-hmm. but that, you know, I was going to pursue this. I mean, the day after I graduated college, I was in the studio working on my first record, so I didn't mm-hmm. waste any time. Um, I knew what I was going to do. Yeah. confident in my ability, but I was also aware that there were going to be a lot of hurdles. Mm. Now, you come from a musical family, parents, grandparents, anybody that... Um, Nothing, uh, nothing spectacular. I yeah. mean, all my siblings and I, we all sing in choir. Yeah. Uh, we all, you know, played instruments growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad thinks he can sing, but he can't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his mom, his mom can, you know, could sing a little bit. And my mom's grandmother, you right. know, sing a little bit, but no one was a professional musician. I yeah. had no, I had no, uh, I, I had no example. To, yeah. To, Interesting. Uh, I want to do what my uncle yeah, does. Yeah, right, right. So um, we were we like music, and music was in our house, but yeah, no, 
and not necessarily it doesn't sound like influenced by those Chicago, you know, stalwarts of the blues, the buddy guys, the. It's interesting. I, I had a moment in high school. I was really into Fleetwood Mac. Ah, um, so yeah. Sophomore, junior year, I was introduced to Rumors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what I've always loved to do with any musician I start to get into is I, I start to check out their back catalog. Ah, like, sure, sure. The White Album, and then yeah. I started going back into the Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac with the yeah. stuff which led me to... Very um, bluesy, yeah. yeah Rod Stewart and Faces and Jeff Beck group. And so I had this moment where I was like super into that like London blues scene, which mm-hmm. was a direct, which was a direct ripoff of the Chicago blues. Yeah, scene. right, right. I never got far enough to make it to Chicago blues. Back to Chicago, I, interesting. Yeah, graduated and just became a total hippie. Yeah, uh, listen to Dead and stuff. <laughs> uh, which is also very blues influenced. But yeah. um, interesting. No, yeah, I, I, the the Chicago blues was. Uh, it was more in the periphery for, yeah. I was a kid during grunge and I just wanted, you know, rock and roll, you know? Well, as I'm looking at you, you have a, a similarity to Lindsey Buckingham. That is so funny that you say that. So I have a, um, yes, I've heard that before. Um, I, thank I, you. I would bet. Yeah. Um, my, I have a twin brother and um, I don't know if you remember last year, there was this like face changing app on Facebook where it could make you like look like an old guy. Yeah. I refused to do it, but my brother did it. And he <laughs> saw the picture. It it looked exactly like Lindsey Buckingham. Really, as he yeah. does, as Lindsey Buckingham does now. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Wow, <laughs> I love it. Well, we need to hear another song. I think this uh, you released in 2018, as I understand it. Meet you there, and uh, this was a single. And we'll uh, when we we'll listen to a little bit of it, and then come back and talk about uh, how that came about and where it may end up, and and the genesis. But So meet you there. I hear sirens, I smell fire in the air. Well, remember tonight, I'll meet you there. Too long to remember I've waited for it all to change Starting tonight Things will never be the same I'll meet you there I'll meet you there I hear the wall coming down In the cheer of the crowd See the dust touch the sky in a billowing cloud For too long to remember I felt you here next to me Starting tonight we're finally free Meet me there someday Meet me there someday Revolution in the air We'll remember tonight I'll meet you there You are back on Ride the Vibe. Michael Litton, the last DJ, playing what he wants to play, and in this case, playing some brilliant music by Todd Kessler. So, Todd, talk about uh, Meet You There. Uh, released in 2018, and the uh, one of the lines, the line that, that kind of resonated with me, "Revolution in the air," a whisper of what revolution in the air. Talk a little bit about that, if you will. So I started writing this song. Um, the song had quite the journey, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> started writing this song in 2011, I uh, believe. Um, yeah. It was um, it was inspired by well, the, the idea came. It was the night that um, Osama bin Laden was assassinated. Mm. Uh, these kind of celebrations in, in the streets in many places around the world. And this mm-hmm. was um, kind of happening around the same time as 
what were they calling what they were calling the Arab Spring right, with right. Uh, protests in the Arab world. Um, and so the idea was, um, the song used to be called "Meet Me on May Day" because mm. the, the that assassination happened on May first of twenty eleven. Mm. Uh, well, I ended up changing it a little bit because I wanted it to be a little less specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my my approach to songwriting is often built around um, lyrics revolving around relationships okay. because everyone can connect with that idea. So sure. I wanted to create this this image, this story of these these two people who are who are have lost each other in one of these large gatherings. Mm. Um, um, and around the same time, I had a friend who was a photojournalist who was in Egypt and he was covering these these gatherings. So I was seeing his images. Oh my and gosh. And so those two, two people that were trying to get to each other uh, in the masses. Um, and, and yeah, they were just trying to find each other and, you know, the revolution in the air. That's yeah. kind of where the idea came from. So I love it hope I'm explaining that well. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, I love the backstory. And you are going to, for those that uh, I hope are in, in, totally engaged in this conversation, you're going to do something in the spirit of kind of having to, all of us having to reinvent ourselves in the new world. You are doing something on May um, 3rd. Talk about that. You're going to do a live from your place. Talk about that, Todd. So um, pretty much as soon as the lockdown started here in Chicago, um, I was starting, I started doing live streaming. I went yeah. on Facebook um, that first week, did a couple concerts and had a great reaction. And I've yeah. been doing more and more of that kind of stuff. Um, however, I'm missing that, I'm really missing that, that real interaction with my fans. I want to see them on the screen too. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe I'll try a private concert. So it's going to be on Zoom. Okay. And if people are interested to come, it's a $15 cover charge. Yeah. Um, RSVP to my email info at toddkesslermusic.com and I'll I'll send you the zoom link uh, the day before so I'll send it this Saturday the show is going to be Sunday May 3rd at 8 30 p.m. Central 9 30 Eastern and the idea is just to do kind of like a living room concert Mm -hmm. or a home a home show but it's at your house and I'm at my house yeah so (laughs) no everyone will be able to see each other in their own home be able to see everyone interact with each other and so the idea is just kind of take that that yeah. internet connection that we've got going pretty good with Facebook Lives and all that stuff right. and just take it to the next level. Yeah. I love that creativity. You know, I mean, and, and entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Because, you know, and you've shared with me and other musicians have shared, given the way, and we referenced it early in the show, the small, un poquito amount of money you make on record sales and because people are buying singles and you know one-offs and all that stuff it really is the gigging isn't it that is where you make the money and the merch and and the rest it so it's amazing. hard now for musicians to to uh, make a uh, yeah and it this hard. is hard. <laughs> say it again Todd yeah it's just now way harder. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, it just, you know, for, and this is, uh, you, you don't have a day job. You, this is your, your. Music is my full-time gig. Yeah. I do some uh, teaching gigs that are what's kind of saving my butt right now. Yeah. Uh, but all of my, I mean, I make a good, good, you know, portion of my income from, from gigging, doing yeah. live events and mm. um, private events. And just, they're all, they're all gone. gone away. I know. It just. Well, I, we, we'd stop doing Ride the Vibe for a period of time, too, for, you know, all the, all the obvious reasons. And then uh, good friend Lucy Pillar, who knows almost every musician on the planet, she said, Michael, you, you know, musicians need Ride the Vibe more now than ever, right? Because they're not gigging and then people have time on their hands to listen to podcasts. So definitely want to encourage you all to, uh, to uh, pony up the money. 15 bucks, you spend that on uh, a couple Starbucks or whatever. So uh, live from your place, May 3rd at 8.30. And uh, just, we're going to we're gonna roll the next half hour commercial free. Thanks to one of our other sponsors, a, a, a an organization near and dear to my heart because I started it. <laughs> so And I'm the last DJ, so I get to talk about it. Foundation for Premature Infants, and our mission is to raise money, and then we give it to clinicians for continuing education. So God bless all those. Can you, I talked to one of my uh, board member, Lisa Bader, out in Omaha, and she said, um, and she's an occupational therapist in the NICU of 25 years. She said they're busier than ever now. Uh, so this, this virus has not slowed down 
premature births at all. So God bless those uh, caregivers. I want to I want to segue into a song off about memory, and I have to give a shout out to uh, your brother-in-law, Mike yep. Pachenik, the intrepid. Uh, investigative reporter, Channel 2 News, uh, for introducing us. And Mike's a buddy uh, here in, in uh, the Atlanta area, Channel 2 in Atlanta. He does some great investigative work. And he, um, you know, I, I, I don't like to, uh, I, I say to the guests, there are no gotcha questions. <laughs> but Mike did share something with me. <laughs> so, so, Prepare yourself, and, and hopefully it won't be too embarrassing. But uh, Mike, um, Mike's a couple, three years older, I guess, than you, and uh, you dated his younger sister for since high school. Yeah. So, so you referenced kind of early in the, the show that you haven't had any relationship because you've been with the, the one you loved since high school. And uh, Mike shared with me that at one point in time, you, uh, you were sporting some dreadlocks. Yeah. <laughs> so t- talk a little bit about the dreadlocks. And then uh, one of the criteria, I think, that the uh, <laughs> that the Pachenik uh, family uh, laid down in, in order for you to marry their daughter. Uh, and then the writing of a song about that experience. <laughs> so, um, and hopefully this isn't too embarrassing. Oh, no, not at all. Um, I was like prepared for something like really bad. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, Mike no. wouldn't do that. Um. So I, uh, I had been, I had loved, I just loved the look of, of dreadlocks since I was a kid. When I first saw uh, Lenny Kravitz's music video for Are You Gonna Go My Way in uh, 1994. Yeah. And I thought, first of all, I was a big fan of his music. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this video and he's like, the dreads are going all over the place. And I thought yeah. it was so cool. And I thought, man, one day I want to have dreadlocks. Um, and so when I was in... Let's see. Yeah, as soon as I graduated high school, I was like, that's it. Not cutting my hair. Yeah. I'm going for it. Yeah. Um, went to college, pledged a fraternity. They made me cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I said, darn fraternity, guys. November to the year 2000, I was like, all right, after this, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not cutting my hair. I'm really yeah. doing it. <laughs> and so uh, I just let it go. It helped that I was in college and I was a... Yeah. Uh, a dirty hippie, hippie uh, yeah, sure. And uh, so I just let it go, and you know, it kind of went, <laughs> and then it went, and then it was like down to my shoulders. Yeah. And I got really curly hair, and then it just went, went like this, started making its way up as the curls started tightening, and then <laughs> all natural. I had yeah. them for twenty years, and um, I will say, I don't remember an ultimatum. Ah, okay. All right. I think by the time. You know, we had already, you know, my wife Lauren and I had already been together nine years when yeah. we got married. I was already a full-time musician. Uh, I, my in-laws were like, this is just who he is. Okay. It's okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Because Mike had kind of suggested that maybe they they, they suggested you need to cut it <laughs> before you could marry her. They did. <laughs> no one ever relayed that back to me. Got to you. Gotcha. <laughs> my mom was begging me to cut him forever. Yeah. and For the photos. Yeah. Yeah. I did cut them. So right. um, I will say I did cut them off in a music video, though. Um, I heard, that's what he said. You made a yeah. made a video, and and where yeah. can people find that? If there is that is that anywhere, or have you? Yeah, go to uh, my YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash Todd Kessler, yeah. and find it. The song's called Hallelujah. Oh, good. Uh, it was released on the album I did with my band, The New Folk. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, you'll see how long they were. I love it. Long, and then how short it was <laughs> <laughs> now mike is a drummer yeah and uh he plays in a band here in in uh, roswell sawgrass blues band have you and mike ever done a performance together we've never performed together but we've jammed a couple times okay. but at the same time we've lived we've lived apart for uh, as we live in separate places as long as i've been dating right, his right so um we've never lived in the same place so we have yeah. jammed a couple times but um, never had the chance to perform together. Well, when things open back up, when when you come down to visit uh, here in Roswell, ATL, we'll, we've got to facilitate that, I think. Sure. <laughs> Would love to have that. Well, so uh, I think that, it, it, you know, talking about the family history, uh, it tees up, as I was listening to the lyrics, old-fashioned way. 
And it sounded like maybe, you know, talking about the way you, you know, met your your wife in high school, the old fashioned way. I may have this completely wrong and you'll correct me, but I am the last DJ. But let's cue up a little old fashioned way if we could, Waheed. Jagged metronome of typewriter keys A simple thought brings you to me And I'm thankful every day I'm so glad I found you the old-fashioned way takes no time to call to slow down oh I pray I'm so glad I found you the old-fashioned way That's uh, that's kind of the way the last DJ likes to think about it. Uh, shout out to Tom Petty, you know, p- playing it the old-fashioned way, play, being able to play music yeah. uh, before uh, you know the corporate suits got involved. So talk about that song. Did I have it? Was I even close, Todd? No, you were you were super close. Um, but what 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 gave me the idea to write that song in the first place was I had a couple friends. Um, this was probably 2015. Uh, I'd been hearing from a couple friends kind of um, separate, but around the same time about horror stories of online dating. Mm. And it just got me thinking how glad I was I didn't have to do that Mm. and how lucky I am to have met my person the old fashioned way. And so um, it's kind of me a little bit recalling the beginning of our relationship um, before iPhones and before, you know, we were text messaging, you know, uh, we were, we used to write letters to each other, you know, maybe not on a typewriter, but, um, you know, with a pen and paper. So. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's, it's just crazy how much has changed in yeah. 20 years. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, and I'm not sure for the better in some, <laughs> some, some ways. So you touched on it earlier. Um, you were in a band in Chicago, uh, the new Todd Kessler and the new folk. Talk about that band and the mates in that. And you had a, a steady gig at a tavern there, and uh, you had to, to give up that gig for a little bit and talk about uh, why and, uh, and that experience. So, um, like I mentioned before, the day after I graduated college, this was 2005, I was in the studio working on my first record and was a solo artist um, for quite a while, but I had... Um, started using the same musicians in the Mm. studio. Mm. And by 2008, it was becoming very clear to me that um, we were basically a band. And I wanted, you know, I made the the very clear decision. I want to do the band thing. You know, Mm. I've done the solo artist thing. I want to do the band thing. Um, And so I kind of, I took my band and we, we, we gave ourselves a name and we started writing music more collectively. Um, and we were doing really well. We were, um, we were, we were, you know, selling out 200 seaters in Chicago wow. pretty regularly. Mm. And um, it was just we had a really fun live show. We had two string players, we had two horn players, we had a few singers, uh, you know, and it was just like a really fun time. And um, and you know, a lot of these, a lot of these 
people I'm still playing with on a regular basis, um, mm. just not as the new folk. But yeah. um, you had mentioned, yeah, we had a residency lined up in 2012 mm-hmm. at a super famous club in Chicago called Shuba's Tavern. Shuba's, yeah. um, and uh, this was a residency that was built around the release of our album called Sea Fever. Which sea Fever. Yeah, I love that. A great, great album, too. I strongly encourage people to go out and, and get that. Cheers. Thanks so much. Um, and uh, what ended up happening was earlier, this was going to be in August 2012. And in March 2012, I tried out for NBC's The Voice. Ah. And, uh, you know, when you try out, you don't find out if you make it right away kind of thing. There's yeah. there's the first tryout, there's a second tryout, then you got to fly to L.A., and then it's all this other stuff. There's a lot that happens before you get on television. Right. And so, you know, I did this, I you know, I tried out, and I was like, hey, if I... I knew I had this residency coming up, and if I if I if I have to can't, I was like I was like I'm not canceling this now, but I can't tell them yet. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. like let's just see what happens, and so I kept getting farther and farther in the process. I eventually made the show. Yeah, I made a team on the show, and so I had to you know I had to call the club and be like, uh, I'm guys, I'm not gonna make it uh, for the first two because I I wasn't. Sure. It was all like happening at the same time, so yeah. I didn't know. Back home, so and I had st- I'd been promoting this residency really really hard. <laughs> had some great press about it, and so yeah. what I ended up I had I had to get two new headliners for the first two shows. Oh man! For the second two, but it it worked out fine in the end, and mm. uh, the venue was very understanding. And so, yeah. uh, well, talk about your experience. You were on uh, Team CeeLo, as I understand it. Talk about yeah. that experience and and Native. how that um, changed you. It uh, it was great. I loved it. Yeah. You know, not everyone has an amazing experience, unfortunately, with these types of mm-hmm. shows. Um, but I really went into it with an open mind. I went into it knowing who I was as an artist mm-hmm. and I wasn't trying to necessarily be discovered. I was I was just going for it because why not? Yeah. Um, I think I went into it with the right attitude. Um, but I it was a amazing experience i learned a lot i learned a lot that i didn't realize i was going to learn mm. uh, i went in thinking hey i'm an artist i've been doing this a long time like i know what i'm doing like yeah. get me in front of that camera let's do it let's have fun yeah. and again i wasn't too much pressure on myself to like get really far or even you know like make it to the finals or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and uh but what i ended up i ended up learning a lot about um connecting to a lyric that's not your own mm. Because you don't sing your own music on on the show, mm-hmm. we, weren't, we weren't doing that. I don't know if they're doing that now, but um, so what I learned very specifically from CeeLo Green and also mm-hmm. a mentor that he brought in for us, Rob Thomas, uh, who I'd been a fan of from yeah. high school. Um, they taught me how to connect with a lyric that wasn't mine and to mm-hmm. deliver a song and connect with your audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a singer-songwriter, it's so easy for us to just sit at, stand at that microphone and close our eyes and lose ourselves in it. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that on camera yeah. for people. Right. You connect. Yeah, the yeah. People, you know, during the blind audition, they tell you, you know, don't worry about the cameras. Connect with the people that are in the room there. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did, and, and it was a, a huge learning curve. I learned a lot about the business that I didn't know. Yeah. And it it, uh, it definitely changed the trajectory of my career. Mm-hmm. I did not, uh, I didn't win. I didn't get close to winning even. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, but you won. You won. Just I mean, it was a victory getting to the level you got to. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I, I did. You know, even getting to the blind auditions and not making a team is a huge accomplishment. That sure. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I was able to make it one step further than that. So you know, it's it's a notch in my belt. It's yeah. a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, and is that a piece of advice you would give to uh, up and coming aspiring musicians that you've got to put it out there, right? You got to do the open mic. You you have to take a chance. A hundred percent. You know, um, I've had a couple. I've had a couple friends after I was on the show get in touch with me, who they were already like you know doing it, and they were like, "Hey, should, I'm thinking about trying out for The Voice. Should I do it? I don't mm-hmm. know." You have nothing to lose. Absolutely. Any fans, you're going to gain fans. And a couple, sure, of couple sure. that I've encouraged to do the show have like made the finals and done wow. really well. Yeah. And so that feels great. But yeah. Like people starting out, 
yes, go ahead, go try out for the American Idol, go try out for the Voice. Yeah. You know, there was um, when American Idol and the Voice were really like really really big and a little newer mm-hmm. on the. Grohl put out a statement in an interview. Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. And Foo Fighters, sure. Not gonna. Yeah, maybe one out of every. Th- 10 million people are going to make it from being on a reality show, but you got to get in that garage and you got to play those tunes with your friends. Mm-hmm. You got yeah, to get to that open mic night. Like you got to put in the work, you know, Malcolm right. Gladwell got to put in 10,000 hours to become yeah. an thing. You got to put in the 10,000 hours and that's yeah. it. That's like, that's playing the coffee shops. That's busking, whatever it is that you're going to do. You got to, you got to put in the hours. Yeah. It's just not going to happen instantly. Wow. Well, I think we need to hear uh, speaking of one more note. Let's hear one more note off of uh, About Memory, Todd Kessler's uh, album. having a fascinating conversation with Todd Kessler. Todd, talk about that song, and then also want you to touch on, if you would, your experience at the Genesee Theater up in Waukegan and uh, opening for Pat Benatar and 10,000 Maniacs. Yeah, um, so this song uh, kind of had a, a, a two-part inspiration. Um, one is, every time I'm writing like a new album specifically or going into the studio to do an album, not so much with singles, but with albums, I, I get this kind of dreaded feeling that this is the last one. I'm not going to have another chance. Maybe I won't have the money. Maybe I'm going to, God forbid, something's going to happen to me. I won't be able to play music anymore. I don't know. But like, I have this, like this fear that like, this is my last chance. I've got to get it right. You know, and I'm sure a lot of artists feel that way as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, I was writing for the record and it, it, again, I was in this place where it feels like this is my last chance. I better make it count. Yeah. But at the time I was wrestling with the idea of um, writing from the heart versus trying to write songs that are going to get a ton of streams on Spotify mm-hmm. or a ton of hits on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went into the making of About Memory knowing that sonically I wanted the songs to sound commercial, mm-hmm. commercial enough that they could be used in commercials or film, television. Sure. Um, but I knew they had to still be from my heart. They still had to be authentic. Yeah. And it's so easy in this business to get caught up in the things that are not authentic. Right. Um, that, you know, so this song was, was my kind of internal struggle with mm. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, like you said, I, I did it. get a, to play this song in a beautiful theater up near me called the Genesee theater. I was opening up for Pat Benatar. Yeah. Amazing 2,500 seater. Mm. Um, it was just, it was such a cool experience uh, getting to, getting to play there and also yeah. getting to, I didn't get to meet her. I met her husband, Spider, um, super nice guy. And she, um, wow, she has not lost a note. She can mm. sing. Yeah. Like, it was the eighties still. It is unbelievable. She is a, a force to be reckoned with. Nice, um, nice person, Todd. I didn't get to meet her. Oh, we did not. Okay. 
Yeah. Spider. Yeah. Was in it. Um, and then, yeah, I've opened up for 10,000 Maniacs. That was a different venue, but yeah. it was a city winery here in Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I grew up with the 10,000 Maniacs. Yeah, they sure. Were, with, yeah. Nat, with Natalie as the vocalist? Yeah. Of course, she's not with the band anymore. No, but right, right. Man that hasn't lost its step. They are incredible still as yeah. well. Yeah. Unbelievable. Very cool. Well, you referenced it a little bit earlier as you were talking about uh, old fashioned way and, you know, how you met your wife in high school and you wrote actual pen and paper letters. So I think it's only fitting that we hear a party <laughs> every once in a while. The last DJ stumbles on something. <laughs> Let's uh, hear a little bit of the letter. you coming up the stairs to the attic as I waited with bated breath the memory so clear to me still though I traveled so far to forget went to lose myself in the city cut my hair thinking I could erase every woman I saw was Delilah every corner I would see your face the letter off of Todd Kessler's About Memory. Todd, talk about that song and also you recorded the album in uh, New Monkey Studios in L.A. That's a studio made famous by Elliot Smith and it was produced by Mark Daniel Nelson who uh, worked with Fleetwood Mac. So there's that tie-in again to Fleetwood Mac. So yeah. talk about that song and then uh, and that experience out in L.A. Um, the letter is one of the songs on the record that uh, was not necessarily autobiographical mm. uh, it was about I think I had been reading a book or in some uh, I, I can't even remember what book it was at this point but something had jumped out of me from something I was reading and just this idea was sparked this idea of of this this guy who kind of blew his chance with the girl and he he went to go find himself across the world and then came back and it was too late you know it's yeah. kind of the age-old story though it's not my story yeah uh, but even when I'm writing something that's not directly related to my life, I'm always going to put a little bit of myself in there. So sure. that reference, you know, I'm going to go cut my hair. This, you know, yeah. And yeah. I occasionally like to put in some biblical references. So there was the Samson and Delilah. Delilah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, but um, the funny thing about that song, it ended up being the second single for the album, and it mm -hmm. almost um, never, never made the record. Um, I was sending uh, my producer Mark. Uh, like you mentioned, we were, mm -hmm. I was sending him songs and when we were starting the process of thinking about what we're going to do. Yeah. And, um, I almost didn't send this one. I had written this one a few years earlier. It just never really felt like it, it fit for some reason. I, you know, I just can never kind of, um, uh, it was a tough nut to crack for me mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I sent it to him kind of as a lark, like, oh yeah, here's another one too. I just found, yeah. um, probably not going to work, but you know, I'm just sending you everything. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, dude, this is yeah, this a is great going. song. Yeah, well, and so, it ties into old fashioned way. No, for sure. It you know, you know it, once it, he told me what he liked about it, I was like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna trust you. We're gonna yeah, go with it. Sure. It, one of my favorites from the record. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, that experience out in L.A. was uh, just so so incredible. Um, I had never, I had never had the luxury of going somewhere else to record an album. Mm -hmm. I'd always done it in Chicago. Um, and I really wanted to get a, get rid of all the distractions yeah, that were yeah. going to, um, Mark and I had known each other since 2010. Mm. He he's from Valparaiso, Indiana, which is not too far from Chicago. Chicago yeah. Um, he ran a studio there called the alley 
And back in 2010, my band was contacted by um, what's called Lakeshore Public Television, which is kind of like the Northwest Indiana Chicago public TV station. Mm-hmm. And um, they were getting bands, and they were coming to this recording studio, and you're going to play live in the studio and do a little interview. Yeah. And Mark studio and was the producer and so from there we kind of kept in touch a little bit you know maybe once a year hey buddy how are you love to work together again something like that yeah and he got back in touch around 2015 around i think it was around april my birthday around mm-hmm. got back in touch he was like hey man just saying hi would love to get uh would love to do something again you know love your stuff and i said mark it's so funny you're calling me right now i I've been I've, I've decided I want to do a solo album and I'm not really sure where to start and so we just started talking on the phone getting reacquainted yeah and we realized you know we love all the same music and we started talking about Fleet, I, Fleetwood Mac came up he's like well you know uh, I work with them now and I was, mm. I was what he's like yeah I've been in LA for a while they give you goose pimples you have to pinch yourself yeah yeah so uh, I work with Ken Calais and Ken mm. Calais longtime Fleetwood Mac producer yeah. he's like Kind of his right hand man. We, mm. I, and, you know, Mark has even done, you know, even did the, did the remaster for, um, for Mirage wow. when they did twenty six seventeen or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, we, uh, so when I found that out, it just felt like yeah, that was it. <laughs> like this, I'm going for it. Like yeah. I'm gonna figure out how to do it. Uh, I did a Kickstarter for it, um, and Mark was able to put together a band. Mm. Uh, uh, in LA with another producer that he liked working with. And the yeah. drummer that we ended up using is actually um, someone who I'm already, I was already friends with in Chicago. Oh, but Mark, wow. yeah. It was a, it was a very fateful. Yeah. Serendipitous all the way around. Well, it is unbelievable. This hour has just flown by fascinating conversation, but we would be remiss. I think if we didn't get one more song in someday, you'll be a man. I think it's only fitting to kind of wrap up the show and then we'll, we'll play a little, just a t- teaser of that. And then come back. I want to have you uh, wrap up with the parting thoughts and next projects uh, right before we have to have to head out of here. Love that song too. Got got a lot of uh, meaning there. I think deep meaning. So we're we're uh, just about out of time, Todd. It's just been fascinating. Uh, Want to strongly encourage folks to do uh, pony up some money live from your place May third at eight thirty. That's uh, Central Standard Time, nine thirty Eastern Time. You need to send an uh, invitation or RSVP to Todd. At, no, to go ahead, Todd. You're, uh, yeah, info at toddkesslermusic.com or if you want to go follow me on Facebook, yeah. um, uh, facebook.com slash Todd Kessler. You can also, there'll be uh, links in there. You can find out more information too. Good. And what, what it sounds like you've got another album in the works. Just uh, tease that up a little bit if you, if you would. Uh, I'm writing a new solo album, but I'm also doing, um, I've got a couple singles that are in production right now yeah. um, that I wrote with a, co-wrote with a friend of mine. So hopefully um, the first of those will be out um, I don't know with the whole quarantine thing, yeah. things are a little bit up in the air, but right. hopefully sooner than later. And, yeah. uh, I'm, I've got another project I'm doing with a friend, uh, more kind of, uh, commercial, commercial stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm keeping busy. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Mike Pachenik. Thank you for the introduction and I'm going to facilitate an introduction to Ran Cabas at uh, Mojo Vinyl. See if you get, you can uh, move some vinyl. And then when you come down here, want to see you play with Mike. Love it. Yeah. All right, we're out of here. Ride the vibe. Michael Litton, the last DJ. But it's not too late. Set the record straight. Better get her done, son, because the hour is grown late. Maybe.
Never hears my thanks to ever plays my song. 